0: So this is part three. If you haven't heard the first two parts, you've lost a little bit of it, but you'll catch it because we're going to look at something completely different this morning. You see, when we talk about the Pentecostal flame on the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit, everybody seems to zone in on the speaking of tongues. And we will look at that at some point, but that is not the be all and end all, neither is it the most important gift. The Bible tells us that. In fact, we're in our reading in First Corinthians chapter 12, as we turn to it, if you have a pen and a paper you want to write down, we're going to be mentioning quite a few portions of Scripture this morning. When we go into chapter 13, you'll also find that Paul says love is greater. So in other words, if you have a gift from God and you haven't got love, then just forget it. Just forget it. I'm not talking about... Ailing studio, wishy-washy, you know, romantic love. How about true love? So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11 as a basis this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Everybody hear me okay, yes? Okay. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will let's pray father we ask you now that you would just settle us in your presence and even yes lord settle us in this room Lord, may your spirit speak to hearts. May he move from seat to seat. Bless everyone that's here, but Lord, we ask you to instruct us through thy word. Teach us in the way that we should go. Guide us with your eye, O God, that your name would be exalted, that your name would be glorified. Lord, everything is for you. Everything is from you. Everything is to you. And for you. And so we ask you, Lord, that you would help this man of frail lips and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. Now, I'm rushing a wee bit there, am I? I don't know what I, some of this might, Maybe I'll try and keep my jacket away from The Part one and part two, we looked at how there are nine gifts mentioned here in First Corinthians 12. And these nine gifts mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12, we find... Am I okay there? Is it that camera, is it? Okay. We find in these that there are nine gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And you'll, we're going to look at them. And first of all, if you have your pen, I want you to write this, because this is going to be more like a study this morning. First of all, the first three gifts if we can class it, not mentioned, but first three in a group is known as the revelation gifts, revelation gifts, or mental gifts coming through the mental revelation of the mind. First of all, we have the word of wisdom in verse 8. Then we have the word of knowledge in verse 8. And then in verse 10, we have discerning of spirits. Okay? So that's the first with the revelation gifts. Secondly, we have the demonstration gifts or the visual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 is faith, gifts of healing, and verse 10, working of miracles. So they are the demonstration gifts. And the third group of three is in verse 10. They are the inspiration or inspirational gifts or the vocal gifts, vocal gifts. And they are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So notice this. Here's ten quick arrows for you to grasp this morning. First of all, the Scriptures tell us their source, the gifts, their source. Their source is, of course, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And then in verse 11, But all these worketh that one and self, same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will, as the Lord will. So someone might have a different gift in the body than someone else. Secondly, we have their number. We have looked at it. Number is nine of them. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 to 10 tell us that we read it this morning. We have talked about that in part one. Thirdly, is their names. Again, we have looked at that and read it. The name of the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, will tell us that also. Fourth, there is their setting, which is the body of Christ. We looked at some of this before also. The body of Christ, of course, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church... We looked at that word, remember? It's the same as God set the stars, set the planetary system. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, and then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then in chapter 13, he speaks of love. So then after, that's their setting, is in the body of Christ. Fifthly, their purpose. Their purpose is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 4 and 5. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, notice, we looked at this in part one. It's not about speaking a language and other people hearing it in their own languages. We have looked at that. Yes, that can happen, but that's not what he means. Because here, if you're speaking, how do you edify yourself if you're speaking in another language? Another country's language. So he's not speaking that. He's speaking of a different language here. And he speaks to himself, edifies himself, He says, but when those who prophesy edify the church, verse 5, I would that ye all speak with tongues. You're reading that? But rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So the purposes for edification, look at verse 12 of the same chapter. Verse 12, even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. The gifts in the church are for the edification or the building up in the church, the building up of God's people, for the encouragement of God's people. And yes, they may exhort, but it's for the building up, it's for the edification. And then, if you just want to drop right down again, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine or a teaching, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. So here we have the purpose is for the edification of the church. Sixth is the order, the order. Scripture again 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most three, and that by course let one interpret. So that he's saying here that if you're in the meeting and one speaks in an unknown tongue and then another one, then another one, that there be two or three if it, if it happens like that. But the same person must interpret. The same person is the one who brings the interpretation. Not the same person that's speaking, the one interpreter, it means in the meeting. And then let's just read on, verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So in other words, if there's no interpreter in the church and you feel, uh, and you know and sense there's a, that the, the Lord is moving in your heart and there's no interpreter, you can hold that and you can worship in your heart, in the tongue to God. See, it's not another language. That's Paul's explaining that here. It's a heavenly language. So that is their order, their place. We've looked at that, church gatherings, but let's look at verse 19 here of First Corinthians 14. Their place. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words of my understanding that by my voice I may teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So if someone's hearing an unknown tongue, they're not going to really understand it unless it's a tongue for interpretation. You might be built up, but they won't. But they won't. Let us go on to the next one. That is their places in church gatherings, their profitable use. First Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen is in verse one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, notice that here's languages of men, but there's also the tongue of angels. And have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And know I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity I am nothing. Now, let's go to the next one. Their duration. We looked at that in part one. We won't go into it again. We looked at it more extensively. But let's look at First Corinthians 13 and verse 10. Pardon me, verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. No one's arguing with this. Prophecies, tongues, and knowledge. They'll fail, they'll vanish away. No one argues with that. When Christ returns, they're going to happen. But people like to just dissect it and say, well, maybe prophecy, well, that's not for today. And tongues isn't for today, but knowledge, yeah, we've all got knowledge. It's okay for today. You can't have one out of three because we like it or don't. Verse 9 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, we don't know everything. And I don't know everything either. I never claim to ever know everything. We don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. Verse 10, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And I looked at that and I actually looked at Tyndale Press publications, read some of it out to you, how they said it's when Christ returns. Some say it's the canonized scripture. If it's the canonized scripture, well then, unfortunately, then, if it happens to be that, then when was God's word ever imperfect? It was always perfect. No, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The word of God is perfect. So there we have one more, and it is their desirability. That was their duration. This tenth is their desirability. 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verse thirty one. Here's their desirability. I hope it's your desirability after we do this series. But covet. You know there's men and they covet new cars, they covet new sports gear, they covet different things. There's women who covet handbags and shoes or whatever you just covet, ladies, and you just covet all things of your neighbours or whatever. Here's what Scripture tells us to covet. But covet earnestly the best gifts. So Paul's telling us, covet them. Seek God for them. Ask the Lord for them. Don't give up on it. Covet the best gifts or desirability. Chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Follow after charity and desire. There's desirability. Desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you might prophesy. Is everyone reading the scriptures with me here? Yeah? Whether it's on the screen or in your hand. So Paul is telling us you need to covet to prophesy. And we're told that we shouldn't. The scripture says we should. I believe the Bible. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. We don't understand what they're speaking when they're speaking these things. Well, neither do they because they're speaking in an unknown tongue and they're speaking unto God. It's in the Scripture. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit the Spirit, in the Spirit, he speaketh, what? What? What is it? Don't be shy. What is it? Mysteries. Mysteries. All that old stuff and all you know. You're speaking mysteries in the spirit. Okay. So that's the 10 in a nutshell. Turn with me again to 1 Corinthians 12 be a bit different this morning we're really just doing a bible study more than a sunday morning just matters of edification but i always find when i do study the word it always satisfies me anyhow that's where i find my edification look i know little illustrations are nice and i use them sometimes and i know but there's people who preach illustrations i don't believe in preaching illustrations i believe in using them from time to time but i don't believe in preaching illustrations illustrations is not the word of god dissecting the word of God is what blesses us, is what strengthens us when we go home. Even in worship. Love the worship. I love the worship. I don't even listen to other music. I don't listen to even Christian music, really. The odd thing. This is the only time I sing any music. I, don't, I just don't bother with music whatsoever, really. And so what I find is when I go home, the music that I sang here blesses me here, brings me into a place where my mind's concentrated on the things of God. But when I go home and all the things that hit my home, it's not the music that I sang in church, it's the word. It's the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Tell you what, let's look at verse 3 just while I'm here. Wherefore? I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Do you understand here now we're talking about the Holy Spirit? And when a man or a woman has the Holy Spirit living in them, when the Spirit of God is in a man and in a woman, they cannot curse God. They can question God. They can ask God. They cannot curse him. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost is living in them. So when you hear someone says, oh, I'm going to church and I'm a Christian, all next thing they're cursing God. That's not of God. Simple as that. Notice what it says here in, the, in verse 3. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord. Bought by the Holy Ghost. So then we get the smart Alec who comes along and says, Ah, Jesus is Lord. There I said it. Am I full of the Holy Ghost? That's not what it means. It means no man can say from his heart. No man can say from the deep inner recesses of his being. A woman, a man, a person. Jesus is my Lord. Bought by the Holy Ghost. That's what it means. Anybody can say Jesus is Lord. There's people in churches all over the place. There's people buying at idols all over the place. There's people rubbing rosaries and beads and doing all sorts of alms and deeds, trying to make, uh, make, uh, make themselves good in the sight of God. And it's all like filthy rags to him. There's people in Protestant denominations who are going and they're going through ritual and they think it's good I go to early morning church and on a Sunday morning and they go and they live like devils the rest of the week. And they think, well, Lord, Jesus is Lord. That's not salvation, brothers and sisters. That's not salvation, friend. Salvation is a man and a woman fully yielded at the cross of Calvary and repentance and coming to trust completely, totally, solely, uniquely, only and completely once and for all in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, he lives in them. And they follow after God. They just don't say, well, I put my hand up in a meeting. and I'm not I'm not rubbishing altar calls because I was saved in an altar call. But it's not about walking up an aisle and putting my hand up in a meeting. And the next meeting you go back to, there's another altar call, and you come back up again and all this sort of stuff. That's nonsense. When Christ lives in you, you're never the same. It's as simple as that. When Christ is in a man and a woman, they, it's not that they are never the same. They can never be the same again. It may take a while when someone first gets saved, uh, saved to uh, to to gut them out a bit. But sure, he's always gotten us out. Hello, isn't he? He's gotten us out every day. He gutted me out this morning when I'm out to pray. Our pastor used to always say, look, you don't got a fish before you catch it. You have to catch it first. So here we have no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. See the word gifts, it's the word charismata. Now this is a strange word and a lot of people now, even including myself, look I'm a Pentecostal. I want to let you know I'm charismatic in my way, my mannerism maybe to a degree. I'm not a charismatic I'm not a barking like a dog, rolling around the floor, running up, well I may run up and down, but I'm not like a, I'm talking about my four, on all fours. I might praise God and want to kick my shoes off sometimes in the spirit. I might want to do that, but I'm not one of these people who are going grave sucking and all that sort of stuff. Now that's nonsense. Hoping to get some anointing of some dead saint. You want an anointing, you go to the Lord. There's nowhere else. There's nowhere else to go. So when we find here that the word charismata, it's where we, the word charis is the first part of the word. Charismata. So some people have called their children charis. They'll be a And charis is the word for Grace. So when someone says to me, I believe in sovereign grace and I don't believe in the Pentecostal gifts, well, I'd say, well, my Pentecostal gifts are by sovereign grace. (laughs) Everything that I have is by grace. Every gift and everything that God has given me is by sovereign grace. And so when we look at this, charismatic, that's where you get uh, the charismatic circles. Unfortunately, the charismatic circles, they developed more and more when the Catholic charismatic renewal came out. A counterfeit of Pentecost. It was a counterfeit. So here we have the gifts are charismatic. Look at verse 5 then. Boy, time's flying already. Mm -hmm. Haven't got to the first gift yet. (laughs) Might have to do that one next week. (laughs) Look at verse 5. There are... Differences of administrations. See the word administrations here? It's a big word. Diakone. Or something like that. Can't remember how you pronounce it right. And it means there are different ministries. Different offices. So you might have... God may give you a ministry or an office in the Spirit... And some people look at one against another and they try to measure themselves up. Listen, brothers and sisters, I'm not here to measure myself up against someone else. I'm here to see what the word says about my life. But the word says about me. About what the word tells me in my walk with Christ and the gift that he has given me, how I have carried that out before God. So when you start measuring yourself up with someone else, you'll either see something you don't like in them or you'll see something you like in them and want it. You're individual. You are unique. And God has given it to you because he loves you. It's by grace. So then whenever we get here to, that's ministry's offices, verse 6. And there are diversities of operations. Now, nobody likes going for an operation, sure they don't. Diversities of operations. Pardon me, verse 5 says, Notice, but the same Lord. It's the same Spirit, verse 4. But the same Lord, verse 5. And verse 6, it is but the same God which worketh all in all. So here we have God doing this. It's all of God. So the word here for diversities of operations. The word operations here is the word energema or anagema. And it's where we get our word energy from. It's the inward energy working of the Spirit, it's the manifestation of the energetic working of the Spirit. It gives the idea here in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, if you want to read, just let your eye run down to the one of the gifts. Verse 12. Sorry, pardon me, verse 10. Verse 10. To another working of miracles. See the working? It's the exact same word here for operations in the Greek New Testament. So God gives the one the energetic power, as it were. That is through his spirit. He gives them the that operational work-to-work miracles. Now, I believe every one of us can seek God trust in the authority of his word, and pray for the sick. I believe that. But sometimes, for some reason, in God's grace and in God's election, God elects someone else and gives him a greater a greater ministry to be able to tap into that, to be able to be used in that area. I was talking to someone this morning, and they're coming up to a... a, a the anniversary of a, of a tragic loss of a loved one. And we'll start talking about the loss that my family had and this person had too. I don't want to mention their name because they don't want me to. And so as we are talking about this earlier this morning where I was saying about how it affects you look. and in 2012 2012 we had a little group of people who had a tent mission some of you were there and the tent was a thousand seater tent and in the church there was only about 50 people. And it held a thousand people. And we put the tent up in faith. And it ended up we had three nights. Instead of trying to fill it for one or even half fill it or two, whatever, for one. We managed to borrow 850 chairs. We couldn't get any more chairs. So we were thinking, like, are we ever going to fill this? And we prayed about it. We thought about it. But we felt the Lord was in it. It Didn't have any money. And it cost us 15,000 pounds. And we had a great meeting on the Friday night. There was about 400 or 450 or something like that came to it. On the Saturday night, we had even more, maybe six or seven. I can't remember the exact number. On the Sunday night, we thought everyone will go to church. We'll have our own meeting in the tent because we have it. And we'll see what happens. And that night when we had the meeting, every single chair was filled. When I thought everyone else would be in their church. Every chair, every single chair. So then afterward, I said, we're going to be having a healing service and pray for the sick, thinking a few will stay behind. Some people left. Others came from their churches and filled it back up again. We prayed for the sick and people were healed. We have a list of people who were touched by God and God healed them. And then within a short period of time, I lose a lot of my family to God. I couldn't grasp hold of that. I just couldn't get my head around it. Two sisters in one week. My dad takes it and dies. My brother-in-law dies. I'm going, Lord, I'm praying for these people, having faith, but here's the thing. I don't know why. I haven't got all the answers. I haven't got all the answers. But Sometimes God uses us for great events and miracle working. I prayed for a woman. She was a skeptic and she was Baptist, but there's nothing she could do because she needed touched her heart was really bad. And they couldn't even regulate with a pacemaker. And she comes out to the front row and there was a lady two rows back who came to our church who had the exact same illness as this woman. And we prayed for her and while the Lord healed her, he went through and he touched her and he healed her at the same time. There was a witch come into the meeting, a literal girl who was a witch. And she was a, 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 a young woman and she was trying to cast hexes at me and throw them at me. I didn't know. I seen this girl kept looking. I thought, well, you know, she's a bit strange. You know, maybe she fancied me or something. I don't know. <laughs> no such luck. <laughs> Sorry, mine. And and I didn't know this, but this girl came on the Tuesday after all the tent was away, in fact, the week after, and she came in with her father, she had come over from England, and he had brought her, and she was up to her eyeballs in witchcraft. And she came in, and she, her eyes were black-legged pools of dark ink. And she sat afterwards on a Tuesday night, she came in, but the meeting was over. She came in after the meeting, she sat down, and she says, and I, I can I see her this, this day, her long, black, pointy fingernails even. She just would have passed me. She was a good-looking girl, but she was all really black, gothic, dark, young. And I remember when she came in after the meeting, I was about to close up, and there was another fellow with me, and there was her and her father. And she started talking to me about these things. She says, I was here at that that tent you had, and she says, I was cursing you and haxing you with, with curses, trying to cast spells over you. I said, were you? She says, yes, I knew nothing about it. That's how I found out. I says, were you? She says, yes. But every time I was cast in I felt it bounced back at me again. And then she just fell on her knees. She says, help me. Help me to be saved. And I pointed her to Christ. We prayed for her. And listen, she went a bit strange. She wouldn't like to know. And the demon left her. And she took a Bible under her arm and she went over to England to preach to tell people about the grace of God. There's a spiritual realm that's activated all around us every single day. There's warfare has went on. But God's people need to know and to realize. Remember, I told you, there's nine gifts. Nine flight feathers, nine fruit of the Spirit, nine flight feathers. We need to soar because if we're trying to flap and fly with one wing and we can say we're looking after the fruit of the Spirit but not the gift of the Spirit, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be picked off. It's time the church realized that who they are in Christ. I have to wrap this up. Next week, what we'll do is we'll look at the first revelation gift, which is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. Let me just finish by this. The word here for operations. It gives the idea of the effect which is produced. The effect which is produced the operations of God, the effect which is produced is not of the man or the woman. Someone we prayed for one time was healed of cancer. And they kept telling people, he prayed for me and I got healed. I'm going, no. No, don't do that. If there's any healing done, he does it. It's got absolutely nothing to do with me. Listen, I struggled to keep myself. And only but for His grace, I wouldn't. I'm just being truthful with you this morning. It means here that what is wrought is of God and is not of ourselves. And lastly, the manifestation is the word fanfarosis. Fan Ferocious, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. Listen, people have said, I'm afraid of what would happen if God came upon me and I yielded myself to the Spirit. I hear it all the time. Christians now. The problem is, listen, I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is never going to do you any harm, but always for profit and to do you good. Always. But I'll tell you, it's not just to do you good. The first and foremost office of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what he'll do in you is he'll glorify Christ in you, and then you can receive gifts after that. Christ should always be glorified in everything. In everything. The idea here is the manifestation of the famphorosis is the exhibition or the expression. The body of Christ should be empowered by the Holy Spirit and be expressive. Listen, when God comes down upon a mountain, what happens in the Bible? It shakes. It shakes. The mountains melt at the presence of the Lord. They melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. When God came upon a mountain, it caught fire. There's some Christians that they couldn't catch fire if you, if you stuffed them full of wood <laughs> and dosed them in petrol. They couldn't catch fire. Brothers and sisters, I want to say in closing this one, I'm a Pentecostal. I am not a cars maniac. But I am a Pentecostal. I'm unashamed of it. And I'm a Pentecostal because I've met Christ at that Pentecostal blessing. And when I got saved, I came to Christ with nothing. I came to Christ with illness in my body. I came to Christ with drug addiction. I came to Christ with alcohol addiction. I came to Christ and I was homeless. I was sofa surfing for months. In fact, I was laying on bare floorboards with a skinny mattress with no bed sheets and an alcoholic's back room. Somewhere to just to be keep me out of the rain and the warmth because of my addictions. When I came to Christ, he delivered me from it all. I shook from head to toe. Shook like the mountain shook. Sure, if a mountain can shake, we can shake. Sure, if we can touch a mountain, the mountain can catch fire, we can catch fire. Catch fire for Christ. And the night that I got saved, I'd been to doctors, the doctors were saying, you're bleeding inside, you have internal bleeding, pancreas, liver, kidneys, the whole lot was packing in on me. This is how I came to Christ. And I came and sovereign grace found me at the preaching of the word. And when I got saved that night, born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, whenever I got saved that night, I have never been the same again. And if you're the same then, I wonder where you are with Christ. There's a growing up and there's a going on in God. Fall in love with Him, will you? Get a passion back for Him. Don't let the embers just glow. Ask Him to blow upon it, and His promises He will. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for your attention, your attention this morning. That was a little different because I just sort of wanted to bring that out. That's just the introduction again, part three, to going into the gifts. We maybe need a full morning next week to speak on the first gift, the word of wisdom. You want to see that? now? you really want to be here for that in the Lord's will. For the word, word, we're going to look at it and what it meant in the ancient Greek text and what, what they used it for, and then it was brought into the New Testament text. And what that means, the word of wisdom. What sort of wisdom is it? Because there's all sorts of wisdom. And we're going to show you that in the Lord's well next Sunday morning. Okay?